Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Legal Brief. I'm Misty Maris, and I'm here with my executive producer, Lauren Mitzer-Clark. And when I say here, I'm ah! actually here. <laughs> We're here in person for the first time, sitting down together, able to do this podcast. This is so exciting. I don't even know what to do with myself right now, that we're actually doing this in person. I know. Not 3,000 miles away. It's amazing. We're usually a little East Coast, West Coast, but today I'm here in California. And even though I'm in California and the Johnny Depp trial is going on in Virginia, I have been covering it every day. Lauren has been covering every detail. We have had such a busy week following this case. It has been just a, it, it's the biggest week of this case. I mean, there's a lot Non-stop. more to come, but Johnny Depp's testimony and cross-examination, it's making headlines. It's, it, it was so over the top, right? I can't even describe it in any other way. There was so much more that came out. Mm-hmm. I thought we had already learned everything from yes. the UK case, mm-hmm. but that wasn't true. More came out during the both direct and cross, and wow, was it, it explosive. It, it, and and the fact that we're actually watching this on television, like you can actually watch it. So, you know, we see this happening. It's it's like watching a movie. Johnny Depp at points is standing up and acting things out of that were going on. So, I mean, it is a, it has been crazy. We've seen text messages. We've seen videos. We've heard some audio. There's a lot of stuff that's come out. So I know that we need to break down kind of like the biggest moments from the week. So we've had two days, right? Uh, or so, uh, Across. Yes. So we started with the direct. Right. And the direct is when, you know, Johnny Depp gets on the stand and he tells a story. His lawyer asks the questions. And basically, that's the easy stuff. Yes. It's his way of getting the story out. And just as an aside, you were prepped over and over again for hours and hours and days, hours, sitting, sitting, practicing, practicing. You go yeah. through every step of the way. The law, you know what question your lawyer is going to ask you mm-hmm. because you've gone through the story. You've gone through the facts before trial even begins. All the documents, all of the evidence, all of the videos, all of the messages, everything's already been exchanged. So the lawyer, and in this case, Johnny Depp's lawyer, is putting together his narrative through questions. And that's how you get the story on the record. Now, even in his direct examination, my opinion, some negative things for his case came out. Yeah. But there was a big split on how he actually presented to the jury. Mm-hmm. And and I, again, I've been covering this case. I've been doing debates. I've been doing it all. You know, I found him to be acting. I mean, for me, it was completely performative. When he was telling his story every once in a while, the question would be about something to do with Amber Heard, something to do with their relationship, something to do with a specific incident. And he would just ramble. He was talking about Pirates of the Caribbean. He was talking about something completely different, his upbringing. It was all jumbled together. And then he would have these antidotes. And Lauren, I was telling you about it, not antidotes, anecdotes. Yeah. I was, I was telling you how I felt about it because I found that to be so performative and other people had a different opinion, but Mm -hmm. so sometimes he said, Oh, sometimes the lines are so blurred that you don't even know where the lines are anymore. Or, you know what happens when your arms are too short to box with God? I'm thinking to myself, first of all, what is he talking about? Mm -hmm. How does that have anything to do with the questions? And also, those sound like lines from a movie. Yeah. That sounds like performance. Yeah. To me. And maybe he was trying to relate to the no, jury and course. 
perhaps that's part of it. Or maybe he thought that was a way to equate what he was feeling mm -hmm. and something he thought the jury would buy into. Me, I wasn't there. How about you, Lauren? Right. No, I, I, like I said, you... I, there was moments, again, he actually, he actually asked to, he's like, oh, can I stand up and act this out? And like, he was talking, you know, and there was moments and I was just, it, when you're doing that, it, it was an actual performance and he's trying to show this. And I was like, I don't know. And while the stories that he tell, he's telling are horrific and the things I, I sincerely believe that what he went through, he went through all these things, but Here's the problem, and this is what we've talked about from the beginning. That's not what this case. This case is about defamation. And Missy, just uh, rewind because the, everyone needs to be reminded of this because it's very hard when you're starting to hear all of these things come out. What this actually comes down to? Correct. So the case is about defamation. The way that it's playing out in the courtroom, you would think this was a contentious divorce proceeding. <laughs> you would think it was a criminal case about assault and self-defense, mm -hmm. and and that's what the, in my view. That's what his lawyers are doing strategy-wise. They're trying to muddy the waters so that Johnny Depp is telling this story where he's not actually the initial aggressor in any of his interactions between him and Andrew Heard. Mm -hmm. Instead, he's somebody who is in this volatile relationship. And according to him, when things got intense and when, when they were engaged in what he described as day-to-day -day fights that escalated, day-to-day -day arguments that escalated, mm -hmm. again, I'm going to take that testimony out as the defense attorney and save that for my closing arguments. Right. Right. But, okay. Mm -hmm. but okay. Day-to-day -day fights had escalated. He said that he would retreat. He would lock himself in the bathroom when it got too intense. And, and when, according to him, Amber Heard took what was a verbal fight into a physical altercation, he would go lock himself in the bathroom. And, and we're supposed to believe that because, he went through his whole history of abuse at the hands of his mother. Yes. And the way that his mother interacted with his father. And yes. he said during his testimony that that's what his father would do. And that's what he learned to do. And he was processing everything that happened with Amber Heard in the same way that he was processing the abuse that occurred during his childhood. And that's why, and we talked about this at the beginning, there was a whole focus on his abusive childhood. Yes. At the beginning of the case and in the Very opening big. statements, um, and also with with the medical professionals that were on the stand. There, this has been a narrative throughout the case. And now we're starting to see how Johnny Depp and his attorneys are putting this together. That's supposed to be something to corroborate the way that he reacts to Amber Heard. He goes, he hides in the bathroom, he stops the escalation. Uh, and, and that's his story. Uh, you know, well, that's all fine on direct, but wow, what comes out during cross. <laughs> so the other piece right. of direct examination that I thought was pretty negative for him, uh, very negative for him after cross happened. So we didn't really know what was going to happen on cross examination when he was finishing with his narrative and his lawyers and the easy part, I like to call yeah, it. Of course. Uh, but he spoke about drug use. He spoke about use of alcohol a lot. And he admitted to using, uh, you know, painkillers and mm -hmm. opioids. And he admitted to drinking alcohol in some instances. You know, he kind of downplayed, oh, I only had a glass of wine during that. I only had a glass of champagne. The, the infamous altercation that occurred on this private plane he says, well, I was blacked out, but I wasn't blacked out on alcohol. That's a different blackout than a blackout 
where you're blacked out on uh-huh. opioids, you just get sleepy. So, I mean, to me, those are admissions yeah. and they're already on the record that he is in fact intoxicated under certain circumstances. And everybody knows, you know, a, an, an average person, not everybody, but let's talk about it from the perspective of a juror. He's talking about admitting to at least using drugs and alcohol. Now, anybody on the jury has probably at some point in their life, whether it be a personal experience or experience with somebody else, Mm -hmm. might have known someone who didn't believe they were as intoxicated as they were. Yes. And that's what I was reading from Johnny Depp's testimony. He's saying, well, I only had a glass of this and Amber got really mad at me because I had a glass of wine. Well, you know, he was in alcohol recovery. So it wasn't, it was, it was a little bit of, um, you know, I think he was trying to downplay it because it was obviously going to come out that he had consumed drugs and alcohol. And it was sort of well-known even well before this. He was kind of notorious for of that. Of course. I, that, that, that's kind of like his persona. I mean, you just go back to fear and loathing. I mean, of course. Like, I'm just saying, like, this is just kind of his persona. This is not the first time anyone's ever heard these stories about him or, you know, any of the things that he's been through. Right. So it's, he has to, to some degree. Of course. From the perspective of this case, take some ownership of that, which I'm not sure that he did that, quite frankly, but, you know, he had to admit it and then spin it. Mm -hmm. And that's what I think the attempt was. What I found to be incredibly problematic, and this was the way that I was processing the testimony, was with many, many instances that he deemed to be abusive. Okay, so, but, but from Amber to him, so he's, you know, his whole argument is, She's the initial aggressor. Yeah, we'll talk about how okay. that's irrelevant, okay. but yeah, that's yeah, yeah. just a side note. So he's talking about all these instances. He's saying Amber wouldn't, I couldn't see my children because of her. You know, my, I broke my sobriety because of her. I had to use what he described as numbing agents because of the fights that we were getting into. And I'm thinking, I don't know, are we like well, well, well into the, to the cavern of victim blaming? And that is what I heard and saw. And yeah. I think that her attorneys... When her case is on, they're really going to, maybe they'll have an expert talk about battered women's syndrome. I mean, there's a lot to that. But in cycles of abuse, Mm -hmm. many times the abuser will blame the victim. Yes. And they will blame the victim for their actions. And they will say it's your fault. And I don't think he did himself any favors by couching it like that. Yeah. But that's, that's all his direct testimony. Then the cross happened. Yeah. Right. Let's talk about this. And the Lots. cross, as anticipated, because there was so much to go on, the cross was intense. The cross was very fiery at times. And the cross dug into the critical issues in the case. So rewind. This is a defamation case. Johnny mm-hmm. Depp is suing Amber Heard. He has the burden of proof. He has to prove that this op-ed written in 2018, that's the that's what this whole case is based on that it was false, that it was defamatory, that it was done with actual malice and that it caused damages. So those are the, in general, those are the elements of the case. Right now, there's a lot of focus on the false, true false. Now, remember the op-ed does not talk about any of the stuff that he talks about on the stand. It honestly doesn't. It it is so devoid of detail or, or, or information about their Specifically, does actually even have his name. It doesn't even have his name. Yeah. Right. And it doesn't really talk about any of the specific instances that occurred during their relationship or during their marriage. 
it talks about her experience as a domestic abuse yeah. survivor. It alludes to the time frame, you know, and so you can obviously add it up. So that's the one thing, but it does not name him or specific anything that we've heard. Yeah. So he's he's talking about the son's death. Yes. It's not in the op-ed. So there really isn't any obligation on her part to prove or disprove any of those specific instances that came up. The whole point is, was she a victim of domestic abuse? Was that a, was that true or false? And and by the way, the standard for her is substantially true. So it's not even necessarily that it's every word of it is is true, but it's is it substantially true? And he's also got a big hurdle because it's an opinion piece. It's well, not bad. Well, and and that is exactly and. But also, I mean, domestic abuse can be categorized as many many things. It's it's not just physical there's mental there's emotional there's like there's there's many layers of what that could be so many layers of what that could be and that's where we get into some of the cross-examination mm -hmm. so on the cross-examination and again I, I just want to remind everybody you exchange everything beforehand so this is all stuff he knew had to be coming <laughs> it was really really just outrageously disturbing text messages there was video of him, you know, slamming and kicking cabinets and doors and pouring like a, the, the the biggest glass of wine I've ever seen. Very you know, big. drinking from that bottle. Yes. Uh, you know, there's there were there were all these other, you know, there's audio. Audio. There's, yeah, it's really you know, it's disturbing stuff. And it's very, very hostile honestly. That's really it truly yes. It depicts a really, really bad relationship. Um whether right. or not who's the aggressor or the doesn't really matter. That's not right. So to me, what struck me on the direct examination, that's a flip-flop, but one fact that came out is there's this incident where he alleges that Amber Heard threw a you know a big handle of vodka at him and it severed his finger. Yes. Or the tip of his finger. The tip of his finger. But he admits in his in his direct examination that he used his bloody finger and wrote on the wall in his blood he all these these he, and he said it he on the said this. He lies lies that she told me in the past mm -hmm. so i was already on the direct i'm like i don't know i think that, that sounds... if you're talking about being a, whether or not the question is is it true that in her perspective she was a survivor of domestic abuse that did it for me well then the cross happened and now there's even more coming out there's the video there's the text messages and there's a lot of depiction of drug and alcohol use. Yes. Um, and that's another focus of this case because part of her part of her defense is that, yeah, okay, you say you never were physically abusive, whatever it might be, whatever his argument is, but her argument is that he was intoxicated for a lot of these altercations. Know. He doesn't actually know. Mm -hmm. He really downplayed his drug and alcohol use, but then sure when did. confronted on cross, Warren, so there's a box with what looked like lines of cocaine next to it, which he didn't really have an answer for during nope. the cross. Just kind of. It was like, nope. Yeah, there's this video where he's literally like going berserk in the kitchen, kicking cabinets, and the, the you know, of course he was asked about it, and he said, well, I was only kicking, I was only beating up the cabinets. But look, you look at that from, in that lens, and you look yes. at it through the jury's lens, and when you're talking about what this case is actually about, and that's the issue of defamation, and his burden to prove that the op-ed, and that's it, the op-ed op itself was op false. I don't, I don't see how this, this case ever, how he has a chance at 
all, so long as the jury really pays attention to the jury instructions Sticks and the elements too. of the case. Yes. And that's why I think they're taking this tactic of muddying the waters and making it this salacious Hollywood story. You know, the jury is not the arbiter of whether or not these people had a good marriage or who was responsible for it. Right. That's not what's happening nope. here. So very clear. Not going yeah. To so this but. case, I mean, this case is actually it's it's so crazy. Um, I think that it's even in the courtroom. Mm -hmm. uh, and if it would have been in California, it would it would have probably never made actually it there. Made it, well, which is yeah. right. And so then, like, what are what are we going to hear next? All right. So there's there's more testimony. We're going to hear Amber Heard's testimony. There's other witnesses who are going to come. Contemporaneous witnesses who. So, you know, Elon Musk is on the witness list, James Franco, a lot of star-studded witnesses yeah. who allegedly might have uh, had interactions during the time that they were together, who have contemporaneous knowledge of what or of what their relationship was like. Yeah. Uh, I would I would think we'll probably hear from some experts, but quite frankly, the defense case was, I think, made on the cross and they were hyper-focused on it. So the defense went through the op-ed and, and literally spoke about what was in what were the words the in words. that particular document and johnny depp even said you know he was asked why so why are you bringing this case and he said to write all of the you know to correct all of the lies that no. have been told about him and he didn't say just in the op-ed no, he said he all means, over the place yeah. in the media and everywhere mm -hmm. else and remember because again there was the lawsuit that already happened previously before this that had been lost. Right. So, in the UK, where a lot of right. this information came out. Right. So, this case, I, the UK case should have been an easier case because the burdens of proof are different and he it's, lost. Now, it's a different jurisdiction, right. different venue. It's a jury. A jury is a roulette wheel. That's all true. Yeah. But in this case, I think you're, you're almost out on that false element right now because mm -hmm. you do, he has the burden to prove by a preponderance of the evidence that what she said in that op-ed is false. Yeah. And because the op-ed is written in such a way that it's devoid of any facts and that it's written as an opinion, right. which is also just a Again. in itself. Right. And it's also written about her experience as a domestic abuse survivor and what it was like to come forward. Right. So it's, it's much less about the relationship, mm -hmm. much more about that. Now, I've spoken to other people who really found him and these are other really really smart legal analysts who are looking at it from my perspective but they've said that they found him to be very very uh almost not meek but he didn't seem like the type of person who was who was going to have those types of explosions and that was during the direct yeah but then the cross came out and it the really the game had changed because those video that video was so telling those text messages are just gross no, and disturbing and all of that, it's not going to be lost on the jury. Yeah. So let's go technical legal for a minute. Um, that's all what's happening. And it's just like, it's like a movie playing out in the courtroom. Yeah, but it really is. From the legal perspective, even if he can get past some of these hurdles and get past that false, he still has to show actual malice. A huge fact there is that she never mentions his name. Right. Again. So it's an inference. Right. If she was working with malice, mm -hmm. you know, if she was operating with malice, she was writing this for the purpose of harming him. She would put his name in and also put in. specific incidents with him specifically. Right. Very good argument. Right. right. For that element. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. And that makes sense. Actual malice only comes into play when you're a public figure. So mm -hmm. that's, it's a hard, it's a hard case to make. Right. For anybody. It's even harder under these facts. So he's basically saying, and this came out during the cross, that 
is, you know, you can, you can infer all of that from, from the article. And sure, you know, you could infer that it's about him, but can you really say that it's false under those circumstances and that it's not, and it's done with malice or is there an alternative narrative, which I'm sure will be presented by Amber Heard when she takes the stand, right. that she did it because it's very difficult for victims of abuse to come forward. And it's and and she faced a very difficult road, and she wanted to draw attention to the fact that when it, victims of abuse speak about it publicly, mm-hmm. it's a very it's difficult, and and it's it can be um, very traumatizing, and and empower right. other people to come forward. So, right. I think that will be part of her narrative that there's right. this whole other reason, of course, that really has nothing that to do with him. Yeah, that makes sense. And then the last piece is damages. Well, and, and the damages. It's also required. So you have to show that you were damaged well, because of this, because of this, and not any of the other history in his life at all. Which, which means you can get into that. Which means you can get into all of it. Which is also, can let, let's just rewind of why this, it's so shocking, I feel like, that he brought this case forward. Because all of this now is opening the door to so much more that they are going into that he maybe, I, I have to ask you this, because you can't tell me that his lawyers didn't warn him that all of this was going to go down and this was going to be near impossible just out the gates because of all, just the bar that you have to hit. So... Is it just because he wanted to get his story out, maybe? Like, just, like, is that really what it was? Just wanted to get his side out? Because he had to know that this was going to be where it would go. Right. I feel like it's not that shocking. But we're hearing details that we wouldn't hear if he had not brought this. Right. That's the thing. Like, the, all of this is coming up because of him. Yeah. He is the plaintiff. He is bringing this lawsuit. It is not a criminal case. Right. Where facts and information are coming no, out in the course of an investigation yeah. that a prosecutor is bringing on behalf of the state. Yes. It's very different. He made a choice to do this. So right. In any case, uh, your lawyer has to tell you every possible outcome. Mm-hmm. and has to give you it's their ethical obligation so you have to give every possible outcome and you have to say here look we we don't have a crystal ball mm-hmm. we cannot guarantee outcome we don't we can't tell you what's going to happen but based on the law and this very high bar it's going to be a difficult case yeah and and that would be true forget all this sensationalism between right? johnny Depp and amber heard and the celebrity of it all it's any defamation case Brought by a public figure. We, we've talked about some other defamation cases before. Right. And even though the law is sort of evolving here, it's it's still incredibly difficult because of the, the standard itself. And so throw in all of these other aspects uh, relating to what we're actually talking about, which is this op-ed, and it becomes mm-hmm. even more difficult. So no question. The lawyers sat him down and told him, you got a tough road ahead of you. Ultimately, your client makes a decision. Right. So long of course, as it's a viable case, and this case survived motions to dismiss. It's it survived most. It, it survived a lot of motion practice, so it did not get thrown out in advance. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, could it have? I think that it in another court, maybe in California. California. California's got a different approaches defamation cases differently, so maybe we wouldn't even be in the courtroom had it been venued there, but. It didn't get thrown out. So look, there's it's it's brought in good faith. It's not one of those cases where there's no merit to it at all, or it's not a question. It's for a jury to decide. Yes, but it definitely is an uphill battle. It is a tough road. I would say it's near impossible unless 
they can, the, the, the plaintiff, Johnny Depp and his team can kind of confuse the issue and conflate it, which is what I think they're trying to do. Of course. Even still, I, even if say, say pretend the cross-examination didn't happen, you just had the direct, you know, I, I did not find that to be helpful to him either because it doesn't matter for what we're talking about. Right. And coupled that with testimony from their therapist or psychologist or psychiatrist, I can't remember, but she said that they were victims of mutual Mutual abuse. abuse. They use that. And that's a big term that a lot of people are talking about right now. She used mutual abuse. Right. So, and so uh, mutual abuse is a, is actually a very divisive term in the, in that field uh, because a lot of, volatile relationships can be seen as mutually abusive in most relationships. And I'm not, I'm not talking about, this is not a legal perspective. This is what experts will say. I work with a lot of experts in this, in this field and and we, we go through all of this because there's different schools of thought on it. I'm interested in that. Yeah. And so it's, it's, there's different schools of thought on it. And it's that there's usually some, some people believe there's an aggressor, uh, there's usually an initial aggressor mm-hmm. and there's a, the aggressor. And, and sometimes it comes off as what they deem as mutual abuse or what's called mutual abuse because somebody's acting in self-defense because you're never starting from like ground zero. Yeah. You're always starting from this pattern of abuse and, and you're okay. not starting from a place of everything's harmonious. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's right, a building right. process yeah. that goes back and forth. So it's mutual abuse, but a lot of times in, uh, Therapy, psychologists, psychiatrists, when they're as experts, they'll say there's somebody who's the initial aggressor. This is what he's trying to show. And that's what he's looking at. But that term mutual abuse can also be something different. It it can be both individuals in different circumstances have acted in abusive ways. And Lauren, you said it right at the outset, which was incredibly important. We're not just talking about physical abuse because abuse can come in many forms and many Women, men, every in relationships experience abuse that isn't necessarily physical, physical. but is equally as traumatizing. And so that's what's lost here. And that's why I think that you're going to see an expert from Amber Heard's side. Now, her lawyers might say, we don't need it. Yeah. They might say it's not necessary because we've already... We, we got enough from their case right. to make our case that this doesn't fulfill these elements. So that could be, or they might like nail just, it in. I was just going to say, or just to put that little final they nail in just, just to prove the point. Right. Kind of. There's 120 people, 120 plus people but, on this witness list. So anything can really happen. There could true. be witnesses called in rebuttal on her part. She's going to testify She'll probably address everything that he spoke about, right? Because that's what that's the, what's been opened up, yeah. uh, as far as the scope of an examination. But again, it might not really matter for the outcome of the case. She doesn't have to prove anything; he has to prove it. Right. And her defense is that what she wrote in that op-ed is substantially true. Substantially true, a legal term. It, it, it's, it's, that's why defamation cases are so difficult. And then also the other pieces, again, defamation cases, best in opinion. And I'll give you the perfect example for the one they use in law school that I could write an article, pick a comedian, pick, pick your favorite Adam Sandler. Yeah. I like Adam Sandler, by the way, but But. (laughs) hypothetically say I write a piece for the New York times and I say, Adam Sandler's not funny. 
That's my opinion. It's, he can't sue me for defamation because I don't think he's funny. Right. So that's that's actually the the law school example well, is always something like that. Like they're yeah. clear cut. Right. But so when she's talking about her experience as somebody who, from her perspective, was subjected to domestic violence. Right. Not necessarily physical, mental, whatever it might be. Right. I don't know how that possibly fulfills the elements of a defamation case. I just don't think it can. Right. Well, and then, and then there's the last element that you keep talking. And then the the damages again, is this up? Even if they find all of this, you know, to be true, did it, was it this that stopped him from getting roles or jobs or, you know, that, that kind of ruined anything again, I don't think that there's anything that's in here that's actually that surprising or new. I mean, it, it's shocking and dramatic, but I don't think, you know, from his history. So again, to the damages point, I, I, like, right. I don't. Yeah, you have to prove damages from this. Just op-ed. this. So, op-ed, right? And that's incredibly difficult for many public figures because, and again, this is why it's difficult to bring this case in general. Mm-hmm. It's incredibly difficult because you have to pin down and laser focus on this particular in this case, the op-ed, but on this incident, what damages occurred based on this? So a lot of his issues with Amber Heard were already out there. They predated this by, you know, think about it. They were married, you know, they were getting divorced in like, I don't know, was it 2017? Yeah, 2016, 2017. Yeah, a couple, like a significantly before this came out. And some of the details of this stuff came out during the course of the, that divorce. If you recall, there were restraining orders. There, there was a yes. lot of stuff that was, came out in the public. Right. And so also he had this sort of known, or at least if it wasn't necessarily known, he had a reputation. I was just, yes. In Hollywood. Yeah. Of, abusing drugs and alcohol that I had read about in Us magazine yeah, when I was like a teenager. Of course. So it's, you know, so all of that is still out there too. So what is really causing any financial harm and what can he really pin down to this? Very, very difficult. Uh, and, and even if say he were successful on that, what could you actually recover at the end of the day? Well, there's going to be other factors that would undercut any award. It's not going to yeah. be $50 million. Yeah. You know, which well, which is what he says right, he's seeking. Exactly. It's not going to be that. Well, let me ask you this. is because she also filed, uh, when this was filed, she had filed a countersuit, right, originally. So like, now that this is kind of all playing out, do you see that as a factor after all of this? Like, is there something that, like, I don't know, like, the fact that she's had to go through all of this, and if it does work out in her favor, and she's had to go through all of this for something that she was innocent from in the beginning, how does that potentially? Yeah. So the countersuit, so in response to his lawsuit, she brought a counterclaim mm-hmm. and that counterclaim is, is relating to all of the statements that he's made about her, calling her a liar, all this stuff in the right. media. Uh, interestingly enough, actually, a lot of people ask this question and it's really important. What happens in the courtroom and what are the four corners of his complaint, meaning all of the allegations that he's made? as well as what's coming out and playing out in the court of law mm-hmm. cannot be the basis for her countersuit, even though it's public. And even though the information is coming out, the reason is there's uh oh. there's, there's a mechanism in the law that provides immunity for that. Okay. And it's the purpose behind it. The legislative purpose behind it is to make sure that people are unfettered on seeking, you know, uh, seeking uh, the civil remedies. And, okay. And yeah, yeah, yeah. And okay. That, makes that sense. you're not fettered in a courtroom. Like, you can't be afraid to testify truthfully. Yes. You can't be afraid to because testify of... because it could potentially be defamation. You yes. can't be afraid okay. to say something negative about somebody or to 
tell the truth in a courtroom yet because it could be defamatory or you could be subjected to a defamation lawsuit. So again, yes, whatever he said outside of this, Mm -hmm. outside of that could absolutely be. But a lot of times when you have a lawsuit and then a counterclaim, it's a lot of leveraging because most of these cases actually resolve before trial. This is obviously (laughs) deeply personal and a very different type of case. Right. So it, it hasn't. But will she actually pursue the countersuit if she's successful here? Interesting. Or would it be better to just walk away? I mean, those are all questions, and that will be her choice when the time comes because she has the ability to pursue that if she wants to, yeah. and it will be a whole separate trial, although much of the content will be similar. You know, that we'll, yeah. we were going to know a lot. I mean, we already kind of knew a lot about this right. case because of the UK case. Of course. And now we're learning even more, and we're seeing more come out because – and it, the UK was against a publication. This is against Amber Heard as an individual. And so obviously they were together for a while. They have a lot of communications right. and there's videos and there's all this stuff that was, that accrued during their relationship that's now relevant for the case. And, uh, you know, I, I just, I don't foresee success on his part. Crazier things have happened. Obviously we don't, know what's coming out next we don't know if there's something else yeah. to be heard but i think he's kind of dead in the water after his testimony that should have made his case and quite frankly i find it to the opposite yeah reasonable minds can differ i got into a debate about this case <laughs> with one of my really good friends and another legal analyst that i work with all the time and we were going back and forth and we concluded by saying well maybe this is what the jury is thinking because but there what? might be juror one who's thinking completely Completely differently than jury two. Okay. Jury two, and I think that's a really interesting aspect of it. That's that true. People are processing it differently. That's interesting. I mean, a, a lot, and again, that's also why we've got juries and it's why we do this exact thing is that you've got these person and everyone has their opinions and that's how it's supposed to go. So it will be very interesting. I mean, there's still tons more to cover. Yeah. And this trial's supposed to be like seven weeks. That's, and I was just like, this is just the We're like week two. We're like, <laughs> so there's a lot more to go through. Yeah. And there's a lot more evidence to weave through. And, uh, you know, just, it's, again, it's, it's a very case, so interesting. Yep. The, there's a broad scope. So more comes into these cases than yeah. a criminal case in some, in some ways because uh, it's just a different system. Yeah. Well, it would be very interesting. I mean, we're staying on top of it. You are literally covering this all day, every day. So, and I mean, this is kind of the big one. We're going to stay on top of this one. And I mean, as we'll give updates, we'll come on, we'll pop on as we do this. I'm just so excited that we're doing this in person. Me too. I mean, I don't even know what to do about this. I might have to stay in California. I feel like this is like, this it's is beautiful. a beautiful. I'm looking at a palm tree. <laughs> I was looking at snow on Easter in New York. <laughs> So right. this is a lot I'm better. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. There's something to I'm this not, place, right? I'm not opposed to it. No, no, not too shabby out here. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for listening. We are going to continue to cover yes, this Yes. Thank you guys for listening. If you have any questions, if there's anything that's coming up that you guys have any questions about, please submit them. Let us know. We're happy to cover that. Answer that as this keeps going forward. Because, I mean, lots of there's a lot of stuff over here. Yes. So, Lauren, before we go, what are what are we watching? What's our next true crime so I, I will say right now that White Hot, um, the Abercrom- the rise and fall of Abercrombie is out on Netflix right now. And that is anyone that is from, you know, I, the older millennials, you know, 
I believe late nineties. Yes, we're mean names. We're the old, we're the old millennials. Yes, but you know, um, late nineties, early two thousands. Abercrombie was everything. Everyone kind of knows that it was everything, and you know, it was fabulous and amazing. And you remember those guys in the cologne, and everyone was like, you know, dancing at the shirtless guys outside. To get I'll never stores. forget that smell. You will never forget that smell. And I will. So, so this documentary is. It looks at all of that, but it also, you know, here's the thing. Those guys that you saw at the front, they were all very cookie cutter and that was very much part of their practices. And it talks about lawsuits that came up in, you know, against Abercrombie from discrimination, you know, and it's actually very interesting. A lot of stuff I actually don't, I didn't know and I wasn't, and now Abercrombie has also adjusted because of all of this and what they're doing now. So it's I, very interesting I, and it's one that I feel like everyone will kind of find very fascinating. Yeah, absolutely. And oh. Situations like that with Abercrombie, that lawsuit, that corporate model, and the change of how other corporations have oh, diversified and changed their internal policies and learned from it, is, yeah. I think is an interesting piece. So we'll talk a little bit more about that. I have to watch the whole thing. I have not yet, yes. but I've, oh, I, yeah, uh, I love it. I've, I've used that lawsuit is something that we, uh, you know, we talk about as far as big lawsuits you know i do all these presentations about those types of issues yeah. and it's a lawsuit that we often use as an example interesting so i'm interested to see how it's portrayed we'll talk about it next week i'm gonna Yay! watch it this weekend i'll probably binge that on sunday perfect um and if i don't I kidnap you and keep you here if, if lauren doesn't kidnap me <laughs> you know where i've gone in case i go missing lauren is kidnapping <laughs> um in any case thank you so much for listening Watch the Abercrombie. Keep watching Johnny Depp. We'll keep you up to speed. And everybody have a fantastic weekend. Great weekend, everyone. Bye, everyone.